Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very different episode of Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, George. Hello. And Grant. Hello there. Each episode, one of the hosts or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless, and we talk about why they love it, what they love about it, and then at the end, we decide if we agree that it's flawless. We have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month. And no matter how much you back us for, you'll get access to all of our special bonus episodes. You can find us at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. And we're also part of the Play On Radio Network, along with some great the music podcasts like Australian Jams, Not Local, and Uncovered. So you can check out playonradio.live for all the shows. So as you may have probably determined or guessed, we're operating in a bit of a different model today. Usually we record Flawless face-to-face, but... Obviously, the current world situation is making that impossible. So we are doing remote recording for the first time. So uh, please bear with us if the audio quality is not quite up to its usual standard. But uh, we thought it was worth keeping on going and giving something people to listen to and have a chat about and a discussion about in these uh, uncertain times. So I'm now going to throw over to George, who has nominated today's album. I have indeed. Ta-da! So I have nominated an album which has been very dear to me since its release, uh, which is by a band called Onsind, O-N-S-I-N-D, and it is called Anesthesiology. Chelsea's only memory of me and her grandfather was Christmas 91 at a pub in Denby Dale. Going through the motions of an early family trip Distracted by a Game Boy chewing on her bottom lip She couldn't comprehend the nature of their stay And in his youth he'd been formidable But the sickness left him skeletal and frail Ta-da! So firstly, the classic question is uh, Liam, have you ever heard of Onsind? Um, I have not heard of Onsind, unsurprisingly, um, nor have I heard of their parent band, I guess you'd call it Martha, the pop-punk parent yes. band. Yeah. Um, unusually that? for a band that we cover, Onsind doesn't even have a wiki page of its own, which uh, yes. for those of you who thought I might do a very deep dive on my research of stuff, no, I usually just read you quotes from the wiki pages. Um, so yeah, haven't heard, haven't heard of Onsind or Martha at all. Cool. Okay, and Grant, I am going to be entirely surprised if your answer is any different. Had you heard of Onsind or indeed their other band, Martha, before this? Uh. No, not quite, <laughs> not at all. Um, and um, yeah, I was, to, to Liam's point, <laughs> in doing my research, I'm like, why is Onsind, Wikipedia, no, Martha, Martha, yes, okay, reading this, okay, well, the band members are from both from my understanding which is yeah interesting mm-hmm. and released in 2013 george so where how yeah. what's what's the journey there please do tell the journey well okay so yeah. uh, just to like just to do the crossover of onsind and martha for people to understand yeah. um, thank you uh, so onsind consists of daniel ellis and nathan stevens uh, they both play guitar in this band and they both sing in harmony and back back and forth um, in Onsind. This is their duo project that they do. Um, they also are in a band called Martha, but in Martha, Daniel and a guy called JC play guitar. Uh, Naomi plays the bass and Nathan swaps his guitar for being the drummer. So he's the drummer in Martha. And uh, that's why they have a Wikipedia page. They've got more stuff that's kind of been released, played on the radio and stuff like that, which is all good. Um, but that's the kind of the join between Onsind and Martha. But Onsind, I knew first. They were the um, a band that or a duo that I came across by living in uh, the UK, being part of the punk scene, and I remember going to a gig and it was like you know standard punk political this that and the other gig and these two very sweet looking nice young men went onto the stage with acoustic guitars in this absolutely packed DIY venue in Leeds and I was like someone said oh you're gonna like them and I was like okay 
I'm very confused. And then they started to play and suddenly everyone was singing along. Um, it was before this album came out. Um, everyone was singing along and I was like, what the hell? Where I've, what have I missed? Where, where have I been? <laughs> um, so their um, record before they had, uh, which was called Dissatisfactions, um, they had their opening track, which was called Heterosexuality is a Construct, which I thought was a quite a daring opening track um, to have on an album. So I got that album mm-hmm. straight away and uh, it literally has the lyrics and you can imagine big burly punk guys and uh women and everyone of all types of person singing along with the words i'm not a heterosexual man not ticking your boxes that's not who i am and it goes on like that just saying like love is um, not a crime and it just talks about why um queerness is okay and stop putting us all in boxes and you've got all these people tattooed burly or scrawny and awkward and everyone all together love is love. Pissing, yeah singing along yeah it was brilliant so um that was my first experience properly of on and went who are you what are you you're amazing um and then this album came out and i went ooh, um and it's been on my it's been on my like turnaround ever since it came out since two, 2013 this has just been now my go-to repeatedly so you but, were in no still in, obviously in, in the uk yeah so it would have been yeah. i know 2000 10 i probably first saw them um and yeah just when you are exactly correct you are <laughs> what i want to listen to um and then uh, i became friends with them but i've because everyone knew them everyone loved them and they were such nice two of the nicest human beings i actually got super awkward around them right like, just like <laughs> like hey yeah it's really cool I thought you were really good anyway bye and it was just totally I was such like a weirdo for like the first like couple of years of knowing them before I could comfortably have a conversation like we might be equals because we were playing the same gigs like I was playing with them and other bands and everything else and I just yeah so I was a big doofus about them when I first met them and then I chilled a little bit so it was like how have you been for the last few years with Liam and I basically yeah yeah Completely overwhelmed okay. by your presence. Sure. Uh, like, I, mean, so I, I was wondering, yeah, look, and then we all cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Now we're chill. We're cool. And like, I'm friends with them on Facebook. So it's like totes real now. Um, so that's all oh, good. Yeah. But my last gig um, in one of my bands, which was on the same record label as well, which is so exciting, mm. specialist subject records. Um, my last gig in the UK was a punk rock festival and I played on the same bill as Martha. So it kind of brings cool. it all together. Like, yeah, so it's just, and they're amazing too. So, um, and I love their records, but um, this particular record, Anesthesiology, which is the practice of anesthetics, um, it is the uh, album that that's my go-to every time. So there we go. <sighs> because bet- between the two bands, they're quite prolific. They're, they're not afraid to sort of, I guess, go into a studio and quickly knock something out. And then, well, I mean, for on I haven't listened to as much as Martha, but it seemed like, yeah, they're putting stuff out quite regularly. Yeah, they are. They are prolific. But on top of that, they're also incredibly um, academically intelligent and they are very much prolific members of their community in progressing um, uh, support for their communities, their immediate and wider communities. They are the kinds of people who probably know more about the socioeconomic climate and impact on uh, how that would affect all different people and countries and stuff. They probably know more than most of the people I know who go, well, I read the Financial Times and stuff. Like they are prolific in their understanding of the world. Um, And that's partly why I used to feel like such a doofus because I was like, you're younger than me and you're so much smarter, but you're also really humble and nice. And I, I, I don't know how to deal with that. Like, stop being damn so Damn you good. for your... Yes. <laughs> damn you. Just damn. Yeah. You know when people are just, like, too wholesome, but also really, <laughs> like... And you're just like, I don't know how to be friends with somebody that is this good. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of that. Um, which is going to be really awkward when they listen to this. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, just so you know... If they didn't know before, how much you love them now, then, uh, yeah, they're going to find out. Yeah, so uh, now I can respect them as human beings and stop being a doofus about it, uh, but I can also still, I can respect their work and listen to it 
um, quite happily. Like um, I can mm. put it on when I'm in a bad mood, put it on when I'm in a good mood. So, um, but this is still anesthesiology is the one that I've brought forward because that's the one that really um, hit me in the gut a lot more. Like, and when they rounded themselves musically a bit more, like less. DIY kind of recorded in the garage kind of stuff and more yeah. um, well-produced, really beautiful. And also they, um, I'm assuming you've both heard of Billy Bragg at some point. Yes, I have, but not to what end, I'm not sure. That's fine. Well, Billy Bragg has been known for a long time, like since the 70s as being like a political folky kind of um, voice of the people um, in the music scene. And he is really highly respected um and he heard on sind and called up michael evis who runs glastonbury festival and said you need to put on sind on glass on at glastonbury and they were he went okay and mm-hmm. on sind went and played glastonbury festival because billy bragg heard him and knows the person who owns runs Glastonbury Festival and got to play at Glastonbury, which is just a remarkable thing for these two guys from uh, a place which I hope you found in your wiki search, um, a town called Pity Me. I know. (laughs) I was like, is this How good is that, right? It's a a real place just north of Durham. Yeah, there you go. It's a real place. It's got its own Wikipedia entry, Pity Me. So uh, it's got, it's from back from like Middle Ages or something, like why it's been called Pity Me. But if you're going to be a political folk, anti-folk band who are going to produce really awesome stuff about being, about gender, queer and vegan, animal liberating, anarchistic, everything else, you might as well be from a town called Pity Me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's quite fitting. The, yeah, so there we yeah, go. Look, I'm, I must be honest, when I um, when I did read up on you know, one of the sites, um, probably was just Wikipedia, and they said that they were, you know, massively vegan. I was like, well, now, now I have, I may struggle with these guys because I'm like the antithesis of a vegan. I'm totally comfortable <laughs> with eating an excessive amount of meat and, and have grand ambitions of surviving only thereof. Um, but I I took the moral <laughs> high ground and, you know, maybe we could break bread over, you know, the chicken society and and, um, and some, some salad maybe one day. So there we go, if we meet in person. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm glad that you've got that in your mind. You know that you probably eat vegan meals and don't even know it like chips. So um, don't worry about it. M- mince, <laughs> um, well, my, my burrovos and cheese – Sorry, burrowos being South African sausage and cheese for dinner last night would, would challenge that. But yeah, occasionally. Um, I'm not proud. I'm not proud of those chips, though. Okay. Well, they're <laughs> also straight edge, and I've had I've had more than one conversation with them when I've been quite drunk. So um, I and they're also incredibly tolerant of me when I've been drunk, and they're straight edge, um, and I'm going, oh, that's the best cake ever. Oh my god. So um, I don't think they're a judgy group. They are very um, they're pretty super they just they know their own values but it's not about necessarily inflicting values on you or how you live it's more about these are our values that we live to and um, I've never known them to have anything other than like you know respect for other human beings but still but being true to themselves and not like like yeah, they're described in that way on Wikipedia. Um, and but if you were to meet them and have a conversation, they're not going to be like, "Oh my goodness, put down that food! I hate that!" Rah, rah, rah. Like it's not that environment at all. Like it's never they've never had that um, kind of attitude towards any of the people that are in the music scene that don't share those same values. So I, w- mm. I wouldn't worry about it. So definitely breaking bread is would be appropriate. It's all good. Because definitely all the songs on the album are about fighting back against like power structures they're not about pointing fingers at like i guess what you think of as people in the system necessarily but more about the structures and the people that run those systems and the benefits and the values that they get out of those yes i think it was a very good uh like debrief of what the album's more about it's about the structures that sit around you're quite right it's about the structures that sit around it's not saying you're doing something wrong it's saying there are systemic issues that we need to look at um which is uh, a healthier and more it's a more inclusive way of presenting your point i think too so 
um, and they they use the same names between different songs, and they've said before as well. So they'll talk about Chelsea or KEU and stuff, and and it's a collection of people that they know. So some of these stories are real, um, and the names that they choose, they they might follow through different songs, but it's it's just an amalgamation of different people and different stories of their own or of other people um, that they've turned into the songs for the album which is like a really nice way of um keeping it keeping it safe keeping it accessible which is yeah it was interesting on the opening track obviously they've got very thick english accents so even just the very first line where he says um chelsea's only memory of meeting her grandfather I heard that the first few times of Chelsea's only memory of me and her grandfather. And I couldn't figure out why it was, why he was suddenly in the song because then for the rest of the song, he doesn't talk about himself at all. And it wasn't until I went away and looked at the lyrics that it was, Oh, it's meeting her grandfather. That made, that made a lot more sense. Um, what's really sweet is actually there is a Martha song where they talk about having glottal stops when they sing. Um, and a glottal stop is where you remove the consonant in the middle of a word, replace it with silence, and carry it on. And so, meeting, meeting is a meeting. more of a is a glottal stop in the middle. So you've got this um, point of removing the consonant. And yeah, so I think I probably heard it that way too. Because when you say a thick English accent, I think what you mean is very much a northeast English accent. So even yeah, I people... Think, I figured in, it was one of them. I didn't know which one it was. Yes, like, uh, so Durham is northeast. Um, so it's south of Newcastle. Um, and it's a really interesting kind of place. It's kind of got a... It's, it's got a quite a class divide in Durham. So mm-hmm. it was a mining place for a long time um, and it had the docks in Sunderland that people would work at, I believe, for a long time, which is like a big town over. Um, and it was very working class, very labour, but it also had like the massive, what is now a really big prison in Durham, uh, which holds a lot of the um, serial killers of the, like the worst of the worst it's like I think it's called like a class A or prison or something like that um, and you're also you've got the beautiful cathedrals it was never bit bombed so you've got the classic gorgeous wonderful um, buildings um, and like museums and all that stuff and the university which is actually an incredibly posh university that lots of quite posh people go to and I had a friend who went there who was told but on their freshers week where you usually go out and party that you're told in your first week that okay kids Monday to Thursday the city is yours but you stay on campus Friday to Sunday or expect trouble because right. that's when the lo- locals will come out. So you've got like a working class locals that look at you posh toffee kids going to the big fancy uni, ruining your town and stuff. And that was just a, this like dichotomy that my friends who went to Durham Uni had to kind of address and realise that this wasn't their space. This this space belonged to some, this belonged to a much like long, like generational place um, that was a very working class area and up until the most recent election it was a labour stronghold the whole of Durham and this it, last election was the first time that there was um, conservatives have really taken it a hold of that what used to be a labour corridor so it's really interesting like as a as a place it's a really interesting place to go to so that's mm. just for, so for context when they talk about some of the um, politics that they do they've they have to address they have addressed being very intelligent and educated people who have grown up around watching the low economic society being treated poorly as well so i'm just now i'm extrapolating anyway so you yeah. had <laughs> you'd never heard of them and then i threw it no. in front of you and then said yeah. liam what was your first impression because I was like, another British folk artist. Yeah. Um, different to the others, what was your first impression? Yeah, so you mentioned before about them, this is probably one of the first times they went into a bit of a studio, and you can tell, like, the, the acoustic, just the beautiful crackling acoustic on the um, opening of that first song is just, like, yeah, delightful. And then, like, right from the start, you can tell exactly what this album is going to be about, that I guess the first track I was kind of, I thought it might be a bit more punky, 
So the first track I thought it was going to start acoustic and then move into the sort of the heavier electric stuff. Like I was waiting for that sort of deep breath bang moment. But then once I listened to it a few times and obviously it wasn't coming, then I was just started getting used to dealing with it on its own as it was, so to speak. But the first song, so Spotify calls it Never Trust a Tory, which makes complete sense because that's the yes. vocal line from the chorus. Yeah. Everywhere else calls it Pokemon City Limits. Yeah. George, Pokemon City what Limits. is the name of this song and why is it Pokemon City Limits? So if it is Pokemon City Limits, I didn't. Was there a reference there? I didn't. Yeah. So, uh, Pokemon City Limits is the name of the song. So, uh, never, not never trust a Tory. So that is the lyric. Uh, but Pokemon City Limits. So, um, there's a whole story that Nathan talks about in an article. Um, where I haven't got the full details with me. Uh, but there's another band that have done a, that had called. Um, they had a Potemkin City Limits about a place, and that somebody misheard. Um, but they also did a thing where they released um, a an album called Potemkin City Limits and followed it with a song on their next album called Potemkin City Limits. So Onthind have done the same where they had an album called Dissatisfactions, which is their first one, and then they finalised this album with a song called Dissatisfactions. So it's almost yep. like an homage to that. So it is called Pokemon City Limits because he thought it'd be funny. Um, but he realised that um, era-wise about the woman that's in the story, Pokemon wouldn't have existed playing on the game console that she was playing. Yeah, but she still about the game, liked the about the game Boy. Yeah, talked about the Game Boy. So Pokemon game wouldn't have existed, but it was still just a kept it as a really nice thing. So it is Pokemon City Limits and then, as you say, it's got a chorus, which is the the grandfather of this girl, Chelsea, shout, like saying with that roar. He told her never trust a Tory, they'll betray you when it matters, they will scramble to the top and then they'll kick her with a ladder. He never trust a Tory. So as I go back to, this was a labour stronghold for years. Yeah. Um, mm. And just post Thatcher, the final final mines were closed, um, cutting out um, industry in the area for um, ge like generational industry. So um, you would definitely find more than one of those grandfathers who, who yeah. would have back in the day. So that story, that song is like a homage a ballad to what would have happened to a lot of people in say the northeast or in wales or other kind of mining or industry strongholds so yeah. um grant you said you had to google what a tory was i did yes well <laughs> yeah it was to be honest I, I think um i applied myself quite well in in iso as they call it is that the the buzzword that all the young folk use um also had to look up uh, Jimmy Mabenga in, in, in relation to BA77. I didn't know that story um, either. So, um, yeah, did, so, did, some, did some research. And, and, yeah, from South Africa, we've got obviously our political parties and, and, and had that and, and didn't know, you know, that you, you can't um, fault these boys for the passion, which is certainly, I think, rings true, you know, from, from songs one to ten. And uh, from, from that side, I certainly um, yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it because these oaks are committed. Really. <laughs> They've got things they want to talk about, and um, and I think they do it in a constructive manner. So, yes, what was a Tory? I presume that would be yes. your nationalist or Labour, a nationalist or liberal, national liberal. Here would be the would be the yeah. um, the comparison. Is that right, George? Tory, yeah, it's called the, so in the UK they're called the Conservatives. And mm -hmm. it's the right wing. Um, it used to be a lot more right, right wing. Um, and so the Tories were the ones that would, wouldn't, if you earned less than um, a million a year, they wouldn't piss, if you, piss on you if you're on fire, was basically the, the uh, but the Tories take on the word Tory as well. So the Tory, they, they call themselves Tories. It's just a, a very, I can't even remember the um, derivation um, of the word, but the um, it's just like having a nickname. So Labour's very easy. 
um, and Conservatives, it was quite long. So, um, and but over in the UK, Liberal is actually was a fraction of the Labour Party that wanted to be further left originally. So when I came to oh, Australia, really? and yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah, and I came over here, and I was like, Liberal cool, liberal or labor, they're your choices. And then I learned what liberal meant. I went, oh, I am sorely disappointed that the National Liberal Party, uh, or no, yeah, over here, is um, they're, they're the Tories, basically, without the, um, the same generational inherited wealth and state stature that, because um, the, the class system in the UK is far more extreme than the class system of Australia. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's still a thing here, but it's just not quite as thousands of years old as it is over there. We're not doing, we're not doing great in the UK, not going to lie. Um, but, uh, yeah, so never <laughs> trust a Tory. So it's just like I can imagine being a little kid and hearing grandparent for the first time. That was the only thing you ever paid attention to is them roaring about this one thing about – and they even, like, name-check uh, particular politicians and stuff. And um, so this is a very, very English album. Uh, but yes. this has a clarin yeah. clarinet on it, which is lovely, uh, and it's where you hear both guitars, dual vocals, yes. and you're like, okay, this is where we're going to start. This is this is where we're going. Um, and then, but then it drops into yeah. Sweet and Tender Julian, which was like a, a different kind of like class system conversation. So he loves to tell jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julian Stokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. We we move on to that, and what I really love about that was just you know it could have just been a throwaway high school drama, but it was talking about that dickhead that we all know from school that gets away with murder, um, and it has that lyric in it. And I know that very much there were people in my high school that were doing that. Um, so him making fun of a girl whose dad is in prison. Um, and so she finds a way of getting her own back by visiting her dad for longer and longer sessions in prison and then dousing him in water during the high school prom. Um, it's like a fun, like it's like at first when I was listening to her, I remember going, oh no, she's going to visit her dad in prison and he's, he's you know, He's in prison because of assault. Like, what's going to happen? And then you realise that the the story is just that he ends up getting humiliated rather than anything untowards um, at this thing, which made yeah. me feel better. <laughs> so it was just a kind of a sweet song. Yeah, I didn't. I felt like there was a bit of a gap for me in that song. I was just like, I was waiting for it to be something else because, yeah, you talked about visiting the dad in prison and how she was spending more and more time there, and it, it almost felt like Julian knew that that was happening but i wasn't sure how he would have known that she was doing that but then his his thing almost seemed like at the end it was just like oh but he walked home from the prom alone and i was like oh okay that's yeah was definitely wasn't well, what i was expecting home to happen sogging and soaked so he walks home sogging and soaked from the formal dance because uh he he they've come up with a plan to um, humiliate him and so he was i think the the song earlier in the lyrics they talk about him being ignorant to what's happening around him like he's just living living by his own rules yeah. and uh that's why they end up with the end and yeah but there could definitely be additional content in there but i kind of like the idea that you're given the the, the freedom to decide what kind of thing's happening when she's having those longer and longer sessions with her dad mm. um and yes I, I was like yeah okay and why sure so yeah don't don't just uh, I think this is, comes back to that kind of class dichotomy thing as well, like that guy that gets away with, I, in my high school anyway, this is just, just my extrapolation, there was a couple of the upper middle class boys that were could get away with murder um, but and would make fun of the ones who were like the, who weren't as intelligent, didn't grow, growing up in council houses and stuff like that. And I still have friends now who can't believe that I'd remain Facebook friends with people who were on the lower socioeconomic scale, for instance, and um, from high school. And I'm like, right. yeah, I can, this is very much a high school for UK high school example of a song. So, but it was just a really fun one to dance to, too. 
Mm, yeah. Do you know, because I know they sort of credit it as like Daniel and Nathan and friends. And so I think the idea was that the the friends who help them record might be different each time, depending on who's available or what instruments they need. Do you know who does certain instruments on this album? Because it's definitely not just the two guitars. There's drums on most of them. And there's often things like piano, cellos, violins, and a lot of also um, like a bit of chorus. Yeah, so they have well. um, some who are, as far as I know, are just mates and mem- and both of the mem- other members from Martha get involved. And at the very end, the which I'll come to in, lo- in the last song, um, Erica Frias from Reviver, who is an, who are an American punk band, um, she does the dual vocal. She does the female vocals on um, "Dissatisfactions" on the very last song, um, and then there's a guy called Michael mm-hmm. Bridgewater who plays the clarinet quite a few times on some of these tracks, which is really sweet. Um, and then they've got uh, who else? We've got um, additional percussion that I think uh, Nathan would have done himself because he is a uh, because he plays drums in Martha. Um, And then when they've got the clarinet again, that will be Michael. And then they had a list, um, which I didn't want to read out, but there's a list of about 20 people who are involved in some way, either playing the cornet, the trombone, the violin. So in God Hates Facts, uh, track nine, they have uh, the instruments plus uh, the guitars, plus they have, um, yeah, the cornet, violin and trombone and percussion on that one. So they have a mixture of people who have been there. And if you look on their Bandcamp page, there's about 20 maybe people who are listed. So I don't know which one to do which. Uh, but yeah, so you can yeah. actually see on some of them. But um, they're quite, they're competent musicians in themselves and um, where where they are able to do it, they have done and they've brought in their friends to do other bits. So, which is, I thought, quite nice. So it wasn't just two two vocals, two guitars throughout the whole thing. Some were paired back no. and some were full. Yeah. So, yes, which is good. Speaking of God Hates Facts, I really love that one. Mm-hmm. Coming towards the end there, it's got the lyric. Your God is real insofar as the shame he made you feel has caused the sadness that you're scared to leave behind which i think is really interesting positioning god as like it's like it it's not necessarily real as in what we think of as being real but if it's having a real effect on the way people live in their lives Mm -hmm. yeah i wrote those lyrics down too that's interesting and he ends it with i don't blame you for re for believing something or for needing something to believe in we all put faith in things we can't explain so it's not diminishing your religious beliefs it's saying we we all it's saying like no. we, we all do stuff like that we all have our like you know cross your fingers do this that and the other and but but you know yeah we're trying to empathize with somebody who's going through loss and they're looking to a religious structure for the support but there was hypocrisy within that when then they don't end up getting mm. the support that they need and it's a really good and do you know where the name comes from um not off the top of my head it does feel so, familiar yeah but so I the westboro baptist church the one in america who go uh, they're the one who who um if even if you are a military personnel who has died um in battle for your country if they find out you were gay they will picket your funeral with god hates fags so that's why they took yeah. those and turned it oh, into God fags. Hates facts. And this is God hates facts. Yeah. Okay. Like they are, I, I wrote they are so another, proud of this. Yeah. That's terrible. Um, they, they also, in amongst all of that, they go something in reference to hands that help instead of lips that pray. And I'm like, like yeah, it's a really, really nice cool. line, isn't it? I'm like, geez, Oaks. Mm, and that, like, that's the thing. Like, that's what, that's what organized religion should be is like, in theory, it should be fine to do that so long as it's actually helping people and, you know, fine and not being resistant to facts and resistant to things that are demonstrably true. But so often it ends up leaving the people that it most needs to help behind. Yeah, and I Very absolutely so. agree with you. I feel like so many of the mega churches aren't doing what they're supposed to do, uh, whether it's providing shelter and sanctuary, yeah. which is where it all came from. And that's why it, another lyric in the same song is um, eyeing the collection tin, be sure to 
throw your coppers in. So you don't have coppers in, over here. <laughs> like you start with silver coins, but over in the UK, we have one, one and two p pieces, and you throw it, you throw them in when the collection tin goes around at the end of your service. But mega churches and stuff over here, uh, or actually all over the world, they send FPOS machines now. It's not about saying I'm putting a simple yeah. offering to my Lord anymore. It's about we we want money. We're offering no shelter or support in return, or we're doing it under very strict conditions. Like you won't you you won't get the support if you're gay, mm. or you won't get the support if you're a DV victim and all that kind of stuff. But you can sure as hell put at least five dollars down on your FPOS as we pass it mm. around the aisle. So yeah, that's a cool. Yeah, and then music musically, it's got a nice um. Either I couldn't tell if it was it's a cello violin. or a violin bit at the end, and then also right at the start, violin, cool. And then right at the start, like it starts with just the acoustic, which a lot of this, these songs do. And then there's a pause. like a deep breath and then the like the bass drum and the guitar kick in and it's not like the full drum kit like wailing on it or anything but it just gives it a little bit more crunchy backbone yeah it's really it's fuller like that's one of the songs that suddenly gets fuller because, and it ramps up a lot as well because you can feel the um, yeah. the emotions of the protagonist getting more and more and more and so the like the music is kind of filling you and lifting you along that journey too so it's yeah i like i like i really like that one it's there's just there's so yeah. many lyrics in there that I want to pick out and just go oh, yeah I, just... yeah, I, th- I think we've just about described the entire song. Yeah. With the lyrics, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's good. Um, so um, yeah. you, Grant, you said you had to invis- investigate Jimmy Mabenga. Yeah, what a terrible story. Right? Yeah. Yo. So be, yeah. So uh, you could go BA seventy seven. What does that mean, right? And then yeah, yeah. What did you find out about the story of Jimmy? Look, um, it's a couple of days ago now. Apart, uh, overall, overall, <laughs> tragic. Um, so he, 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 in essence, he'd been living there for a number of years. Um, gets found out for being an, an illegal immigrant or something. Or, or so, forgive me, was involved in an altercation. Spent some time in prison for two years, and I think that probably flagged him to home affairs or, or homeland or whatever they would be. Um, and then. Um, Died on a. It sounded like a much of it's on a plane, but he was he was in essence involved with GS G4S G4S yeah yeah um and he passes away amid let's go with suspicious circumstances um and through a number of years eventually three guys were taken to court and they were found as not having been complicit to his passing. Um, and it's just bullshit or, or, or you know, it, it's interesting that this, that I suppose that this comes about in the same week as, as, um, the, a highly ranked member of the Catholic church gets released, um, in a unanimous decision in relation to, to his charges. So yeah, has anything changed? I suppose. <laughs> he was actually, um, uh, living from, he was, a. He fled Angola legally. It was taken in legally to the UK. Oh. Uh, had a wife and children, um, and fled legally because he was um, part of the um, resistance against uh, the government, I believe, in Angola. And if he was to stay, he was going to die, which is why he was allowed. Yeah, to... they don't mess around there. No, exactly. Yeah. So right, he was like allowed to. Um, he had right of remain in the UK, and then yep, he was in an altercation in the nightclub. And he, uh, they decided to um, get rid of him. But G4S, who are known and have been pull, pulled up, they are a private firm. So they're not government; they're private, mm. and they so they are subcontracted by the government to do private security. Uh, they run entire prisons now and all sorts, um, and they can get away with literal murder um, because they are not under the same guidelines of, as a government-run established prison. Um, or as a security firm, so they have they have been able to do um, countless. They are they have been liable for countless um, assaults and uh, deaths in in different kind of 
security settings, let's say. Um, and Context, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's just a known that people are going, well, it's just what happens now because the government don't want to manage these situations anymore. So we'll just outsource it. We'll defer the risk to a private security firm. Terrible so, story. Just so, a terrible yeah. story. And he was actually uh, murdered in front of um, uh, the entire plane of just normal people flying. So it was just a normal flight. And um, he was there with two guard, uh, two, three guards. Um, and he was pinned. He ended up, he like started having a panic attack, was trying to say, I, I can't go, I can't go, like I'll die. Um, they pinned him down and he died of asphyxiation. Um, and it, he was like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then all these people came forward, all these passengers who were just going, who were traveling, but they had to go anonymously because they were traveling for work and stuff and they were too scared of losing their jobs. And so it all got thrown out of court. Um, so this whole story is like talking about Jimmy Mbenga. This this is about detention centers, this song, um, but about G4S being able to get away with it. But then mm. the lines are about um, being that, being that. Imagine being that caseworker. So the lyrics are: You make your case, and you go home. You drink some wine and watch TV, and you go to sleep alone. But in the darkness, you can hear the violent deportations. Jimmy screaming for his life. On a British Airways flight. You're like, yeah, how can you be that? I, I don't understand those people that can be, those, do those casework and go, I know you'll die if you get sent there, but unfortunately you tickle the boxes, go and die. I just yeah. couldn't imagine. <sighs> so it's interesting. Um, obviously none of the themes of any of the songs, they don't, they don't hide what they're about. They're pretty straightforward yeah. in everything. But then this song also has the vocal sample at the end where it talks about um, how the G4S security members were found not guilty and how everyone was, you know, up in arms about that. But it's interesting they use sort of vocal samples quite liberally throughout the album, which I, yeah, it's sort of, sort of one of the things where it's like it, you guys probably didn't actually have to do that because the themes of your album are very clear and the themes and the subjects of the song are very clear. But they also provide a nice little, just a little taste as well. Sometimes they're a little lift when you just need one. You know, like there's mm. just um, there's like a little lift sometimes where you're like um, when he talks about the thing with David Cameron, like the... even he knows he's an ass. Yeah, Kim Kelly. And... You know, the good thing about David Cameron is that even he knows he's an ass. No, every time he opens his mouth, you can see him thinking, I was born an ass, I'll die an ass, but at least I know I'm an ass. Yeah. yeah. No, the intro to Kim Kelly, um, and, and who is who is that? May I ask? Because I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I've nutted. I managed to find who is Kim Kelly. Is there reference to that, George? Oh, so Kim Kelly is a political and musical writer for Vice, Guardian, Pitchfork, NPR, Rolling Stone, Kerrang, etc. Um, does politics? It was music. it was that person. That, yeah, that's who I sort of found. Okay, I couldn't find like I was looking for a historical political figure, and I couldn't yeah. find anyone. No, I think it, I'm pretty sure. Sorry, yeah, I'm just pretty sure it's her because. Um, it's uh, referencing like broadsheets and this that and the other, and just going like she's like yeah. Kim Kelly comes is like a real straight down the line, speaks the truth, also does music, it's that and the other. So saying that she's your CBT um, is probably like a, yeah. a relief con compared to um, like like the what's happening in everybody knows everything's wrong, but we're just acknowledging it now. It's on the broadsheets, which, like, you know, it's yeah. on, it's in, everything's in the newspaper, but, you know, we're just, we're just, everyone ignores it. Who cares now? So it's, um, yeah, got that quote from uh, a TV show called Lost Tango in Halifax, which is nice, but um, lyrically has one of my sweetest things in it where he says, True hope resides in that moment when a person hands their holds their hand out to a stranger on the ground, mm. which is really sweet. And obviously, I will not let the bastards yeah. <laughs> grind you down. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you talk about that one. Yes, I like I like that at the end. Yeah. So, well, what I obviously could talk about every single song forever, um, but there are other ones. Were there particular ones that you wanted to raise 
um, that we wanted to cover before I I go and tell you a couple of bits about some of the other songs that I love. My favourite track on the album is definitely Snitches Get Stitches. Hey, no, that's my um, favourite I love one. it. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Like, just It's the longest song. It's got a bit of about a minute or so of plucking just on the open. And then it, it's almost one of the songs, it's one of the only songs on the album that seems to be like a take place over a period of time for the character rather than just like a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just loving that story of like, organizing people to try and get together and we're going to be there's going to be a revolution and we're going to fight back and here comes the you know we're seizing the means of production and what have you what have you but then someone snitches and they all get caught and because they didn't it didn't occur to them that they would get snitched on they haven't prepared for anything that sort of stuff at all so yeah i really love it and a bit of um almost like a flamenco style guitar and also your favorite a uh, bit of harmonica in there <laughs> well and there's percussion clarinet vocals guitars we got we got the whole kit and caboodle again so yeah that's a good one um so i think um this one is about uh doing like an animal liberation um like where you know you go into um one of those clinical sites where they test animals that kind of thing and it's like an animal liberate that's how i read it like uh, they're going and doing like a liberation plan or like they're one of those hunt saboteurs and all, all sorts of stuff but uh yeah it's definitely got that fun story and um like i don't know whether it's their story or someone else's um but this came about around the time that um a lot of it turned out there's been a lot of undercover police officers joining lots of liberation groups and sat in the other and inciting um these sorts of activities just so they can arrest people so it was like Yes, this was around, like, uh, I remember the newspaper articles coming out about people going deep undercover and inciting, like, um, violence and inciting this, um, these sorts of actions sometimes as well. So snitches get stitches, obviously being a reference to going to prison. But, um, yeah, it was a, it's a fun song. So, Grant, you said, yeah. So tell me, tell me why. Yeah, look, I, I um, look, love the intro and the line. And I suppose I, I find I actually reckon that the, the album got better. You know, I actually really God hates facts. I think as well, um, in that it is quite it it, it prompts a lot of thought. <laughs> um, and you know, for this time of year and all the rest of it, it, it's I was like, yeah, probably probably you know, snitches get stitches and God hates facts were were um were my um my picks of the album. Your picks. Mm. It's definitely two big, cool, epic numbers to sort of not the end, but yes, yeah, to sort of big, sweeping the epic numbers at the end. Exactly. Um, so, and and I think to be the honest of the, the um to go back to the opening track as well. I think these um to have it. We've I hope we've all had grandparents. And I only had um one my um but one granddad, but you could you could see you know that they, they paint a very or that they, they get they're very good at creating imagery around. You know what they're talking about, as you said, Liam. I suppose earlier, quite mm. quite quickly, um, and yeah, and yeah, you, know, you could picture you know, a granddad who's actually who has seen it all before, and you, you know, you maybe just too young to to know it all as a teenager, and you, you you're exposed to this guy who might be a couple of shoddies deep or whatever, um, really voicing his opinion in relation mm. to whatever it is. Um, and I think that that's an endearing. I think it's a that's a great track that um, I think resonated more and more with me the more you listen to it. Um, for mine, and again, do you remember Benga BA77? It's just wow, a challenging one, I suppose, to listen to and and, and very relevant. But um, and also Kim Kelly, the, the introduction with the, with the David Cameron ass reference <laughs> for me was was really <laughs> really cool. And then going back to uh, we won't ever let these bastards me down so they, they I, I find they're, they're, these, they're these great lyrics you, you as you say i can see why i suppose george you would you could talk to this album for like an hour which we're we're coming up to <laughs> yeah yeah 
Oh, so um, yeah, they talk about um, we go from high school drama to you've got the people who have lost their jobs in Here Come the Year Nines. You've got people who have lost their jobs in kids who just don't give a shit, who are terrifying the local businesses. Like they trade, they say that shopkeepers around here seem to tremble and trade in fear and they are harking back to jobs for life that they just don't have anymore and stuff. You're like, okay, that's that's another story. And then you move over and you've got the A77, which is another story. Then you've got Franklin Prison Blues, which is another story. And they talk about recidivism, which is the tendency of a criminal to reoffend. And so it's saying that all we're doing in that is we're building more and more reasons for people to go back to prison and we're not addressing the, like, reasons why they're getting there in the first place and then you can move into pigs in the green room and you're like this is about mindless violence from people who don't give a shit anymore and they'll see you as like some scrawny vegan in a petrol station and just beat you up for the sake of it because that's the life that you live that's just the existence you're living in that was the one where i felt like that was that was the only one where i was absolutely 100 certain it was a true story yeah was pigs in the green room. I'm like, yeah, you guys, you guys aren't making that up. That absolutely happened to you one night and you've just sat down and written like it's a minute 17. You probably just got home straight after it happened and gone, right, there's a song there. Let's whip something together. With a cheery guitar line, oohs and ahs over the folk song, but you're still just very much like they, they – and they use they, – they just use basic language, like words either. So they like alliterate or they rhyme and they make things about um, – I see appropriation, desecration, gangs of violent, racist reprobates. And it's like a really nice way of pulling all of those words together to talk about basically being beaten mm. up in a petrol station when you're probably on tour. Um, and then, again, we've talked about the last three. They're all three just very different stories. Like every song is a story in itself on the entire record, <laughs> um, which is why I can just keep going to it and going, oh, yeah, that one, oh, yeah, that one, blah, blah, blah. And then, as we say, we've got... Um, on the final song, where we actually have an electric guitar to open up on Dissatisfactions. Yeah. good counter to how we started the album yeah so um by the way for the vocals you know like we have um a high-pitched vocals that's daniel and more of the lower pitch stuff um and karma stuff is nathan um so yeah we've got uh both of them here huge crowds doing the woes and stuff and this is a song about that was so mental health you know and like so we've, we've gone through a whole spectrum of different conversations in every song and now we're looking at you know, um, a GP, meds can help you, you're fighting an inner monologue, and then you've got that, you're not ending on that big, cheery, it's okay, guys, all this shit's happening. You're actually, you've got Erica Frias coming in and singing, there's something wrong with me, I don't think I'll ever be okay, I'll just take it day by day by day by day. And then they're all singing it, and then it's just this whole big kit and caboodle coming in just to say, this is the end of the record and leaving with a quote from an, some old uh, a movie called Short Bus, which I've not seen. Anyone's? Yep. You've seen? Okay. Mm. Just saying like. I haven't seen all of it. I've seen bits of it. I know what it's about. Um, it's very cool. Very sexual. Very open sort of movie. It's yeah. yeah very cool. There we go. It's a, uh, a, drag queen, a drag queen who gives this line at the end. So yeah, that's that. So I got, I got the gist of a drag queen just saying, as my uh, good friend Lois Weinstock once said. Um, but yeah, like, I just want to leave with a little dignity as he like crawls off the floor. Um, and I, I guess that's how they, yeah. at the end of an entire political record of talking about all sorts of stuff that happened to them or their friends or, to, or stuff they've read in the news that they're just deeply affected by. It's just like, let's just, okay, let's just get through at the end. It just feels like, oh, let's just get through now and we'll take it day by day. As we're sung to, we'll just Mm. take it day by day. I really like that bit on dissatisfactions where they say, yeah, it gets better, but it could also get worse. Because it feels like a lot of the time when we talk about particularly mental health and stuff around identity, it's um, a lot of us is like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. It'll get better. You know, just just hold on. It'll get better down the line. You'll be fine. And it's like, 
it's just a pat line to just say, yeah, it'll just get better by default. Like people have to work to make it get better. And there is no guarantee that it will get better for a lot of people. But a lot of time that just gets trotted out as a way of just, okay, it'll get better. So we're going to stop listening to you and your problems now. Oh, mm. absolutely. I remember I've been talking about my own like physical health problems and I've just got a friend going, just think positive thoughts. I'm like, no, that's not yeah. how it works, actually. You've got to accept yeah, yeah. <laughs> that there are many options. There is that something might be, get better, something might get worse, or you could just be living in uncertainty mm. for a period of time. You need to grieve every possible option. You can't yeah. just go, I'm a meme. Everything will be fine. Yeah. So you're, <laughs> you're quite right. It, it's a really lovely line. It could just be like a throwaway. Yeah, things get better, and they all sing with the woes, but it also could get worse. Then it does the whoa, 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 <laughs> which are really nice. It's just like, yeah, it's like, again, um, any one of these songs, when they would play it live, guaranteed two thirds of the audience are going to be singing along to the stuff, to the songs. Yeah. So they'll play just with a couple of guitars and they'll just sing and they, they don't need a backing vocalist for anything <laughs> whenever they play live. Yeah. I can't remember. I looked up one of their YouTube videos of them playing live. We'll probably post it on the Facebook page. But it was, yeah, it was them in a crowd, very punk, very crowded room, but just not almost, it didn't even look like there was a stage. It was just the two of them standing in one corner, standing really close together, almost facing each other and just singing. And then the entire room just singing along to every word, which was really That's cool. literally every gig I've ever been to of theirs. And it's the best. It's, it doesn't matter how big or small yeah. the venue is. Um, everyone goes, I know exactly what I'm getting into when I'm coming here. So um, yeah. we usually do the have you seen them live? Obviously, I've clarified that not only have I seen them live, I've played gigs with them, so I'm very proud. Uh, but, yeah, watching them and them, knowing they played Glastonbury, for goodness sake, that's ridiculous. Um, and having mm. the, the context around who they are as people helps me to obviously have a very emotional connection to the record. Like, it's a, a big go-to record. Yeah. And having toured the Northeast as well, uh, where they're from, and knowing that I couldn't go out of the van or the car at nighttime in a garage, like in a garage, really, yeah, it's very much a pigs in the green room yeah. kind of situation. Like, I bet that was me as a girl, let alone me as a guy that looks skinny or good or queer or whatever. And just, yeah, it's, it's a, like a, a record of lots of stories to tell your kids when they get older, I guess. So, mm. yes. Yeah, so, um, Okay, uh, we are very much at the very at end of the podcast, and yeah. Um, so, um, I believe I've done many a pitch, but I would say that this is um, really gutsy of a couple of people to pull together and to have such coherent, well-written stories, but complemented by genuinely competent and brilliant musical styles behind it it's, it's not a samey record um you can tell mm -hmm. you can jump between the songs and you know that you're not still listening to track three when you're on track eight which as can happen sometimes when you've got like a folky record like this um but it's just something that it can affect me emotionally when i listen to like da 77 still does when i listen every time i just think oh i can't believe we let this happen in our lives and it happened so long ago and i know it still is and i think about the movements in america and go it's still happening so um this is why i would have i brought this album to you guys um as one that you probably couldn't wikipedia um but it needed to be heard and it needed to be, to be spoken about so i will cool. uh throw it over to do our to do our final final jam so uh, Liam, would you like to hold your hand up? Ta-da! I would like to hold my hand up. I'm holding my hand up right now, <laughs> even though you can you can see me even less than you can see me normally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this it obviously it helps that this album, all the tracks and the songs on it, completely 100% align with where I am personally politically. Obviously, if that wasn't the case, I probably wouldn't be as in love with it. Um, it's 10 tracks. It's 33 minutes, so it's perfect length. They all have their own little individual stories. Uh, it wasn't until I watched the YouTube clip, which we'll definitely post, um, that I realized just how good they are on guitar. Like it's one of those things where like 
pop punk bands in general often get written off as, you know, oh, it's just people who just can, they can play three chords and they can bash something out on drums and, you know, just whatever. But I think, yeah, I, certainly from a drumming perspective, I know that pop punk, some of the music stuff tends to be the hardest to play. And then watching these guys play guitar was just amazing. And the singing at the same time, which is always going to be, I never understand how anyone can do guitar and singing, but watching them play guitar and sing at the same time was just amazing. Um, like I said, they used the samples really well. Lots of really good stories through it. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that it was flawless for me. That was really cool. Oh, look at you go. So one thing I also flagged that we didn't mention earlier, when you do go and visit their band camp, which I would encourage everybody to do, uh, it's pay what you want for all of their albums. So it's very, which is also very punk sort of thing. It's like, yeah, we don't charge for this. We're, we're making it, we're, you know, we're trying to get it to everybody. It's just pay whatever you can. Do you know, interestingly, on that front, um, they released uh, this album on vinyl a couple of times over um, and I cannot find it on Discogs or anywhere online. And the highest price it sold for was $80 US um, secondhand on Discogs because that's how much somebody wanted this record and no one is letting go of it. So yeah. I will never own this on vinyl. Cool. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, maybe Liam, it's a maybe that. it's a present. Maybe it's a present when we have our hundredth um, flawless episode or something. There you go. Yeah, if you can find it. <laughs> awesome. Sure. Okay, yeah. If, I, if, if we can find it. Yeah. Sure. Because I've not found it for years. So there we go. So, Mr. Grantle. No pressure. Grantle, uh, please do share your thoughts on Onsen you've never heard before. Never heard them before at all. Um, yeah. Look. I think um, for mine, 10 songs, 34 minutes. Um, I, I, I do think on reflection that the the albums that we propose that are longer, I think have more, the longer an album, the more room there is to make an error or for something to, to not resonate <laughs> with totally. you on reflection. Um, and um, this is a, this is a confronting album, to be, to be honest, for me in that, mm-hmm. um, and again, against the backdrop of, of of Pell and um, and the like, and these 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 stories are. Um, this isn't an album that I suppose I'd necessarily. I could I could totally understand why you would this would resonate with you. Um, from from this I mean you know, and you've played with these guys, and you and you've been, and this is you know your your culture in essence. This is what you've you've been exposed to. Um, they write very very well. They obviously play very well, and. It, you know, it's it's hard to it was hard to research this. So if that was an intent, well done, because I was like, really, <laughs> onsent anesthesiology, what? Um, and I heard things that I really really liked in that. You know, that, that I believe somewhere I wrote down here. There, um, um, I heard it sounded like a little bit of Vampire Weekend. Whether that was obviously, I would think Vampire Weekend were influenced by these guys, or could have been. Um, and there was another band as well that I thought, hey, that do sound a little bit like. And I've made notes and I've scribbled everywhere and I can't see where House Martins. There we go, House Martins influence. Oh, um, interesting. Probably what I liked about it is they stand alone. I think each in you reference that each of these songs could stand alone as and, and be cool to just listen to. Um, where you know a lot of times I've looked for flow and does it go end to end? And yes, it does. Um, for mine, I thought it. From the opening track, I actually reckon it got um, it probably gets better. And I, you know, we spoke about tracks eight and nine, stitches get stitches into God hates facts, and then you know wrapping up with the satisfaction. Um, the the longer tracks almost you know are to, are to their credit, and, and maybe that's an opportunity for them to look at. Is it flawless? Flipping oath. Thank you, wham bam. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. Um, I'm not one to hold a grudge because we don't, we're not counting, but we are. Uh, great, great album. Really, really cool album. Um, I'll probably listen to it begrudgingly because it's good to listen to stuff like us and be reminded about probably our um, requirement to push back in a constructive manner. And I think that these that's what these guys do. And they sound like super cool people. And um, I'm just a little bit envious that you have had interactions with them. So thank you very much, George. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, that's so good. Look at me. Look at me go with the whole British folk theme. Oh, that's so good. No, I'm just really grateful. Like, as I, I knew it would be confronting in some ways and obviously politically, like, they 
they put stuff forward, but they also don't point fingers, you know, like in that same kind of way. So I was, I'm really grateful that you both took the time and effort. So you had to indulge in the album maybe more than some of the others because you couldn't research it. <laughs> uh, well, so I think that and, 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 and ISO, to be honest, I mean, and, you know, people forgot their, com- their computers, you know, in other places. And, you know, there were any number of, of opportunities to re-listen to this one as well, I suppose. This is true. Yes. And there's certain songs that I, you can listen to when you're feeling upbeat and some songs that you, if you're just feeling a little bit dismayed at the world, you listen to it going, yes, I'm right to feel dismayed. That's fine. Uh, but yes, that's cool. Well, thank you both, uh, Liam and Grant, for begrudgingly giving me a flawless album uh, again. With much love. Again. With much love. With Promise. much love. Uh, whilst we are all in isolation, so uh, this has been a beautiful experience um, and an unusual cool. one. So I would like to thank you guys. I also want to thank our listeners for getting involved in the Flawless experience. We are on the social medias at Flawless AMP on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. Why not get involved and see what we look like? Um, We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Flawless AMP and you should share information about us and this episode in particular because I'm a winner um, to all of your friends and fans etc um, so other music lovers can find us across the world um, Liam is there anything else you'd like me to add to my outro that I did not print out before this occasion no we are all good so we thanks will, guys uh, thanks again Bye. for listening and we will see you next time now best of luck thanks for everything as my dear departed friend Lotus Weinstock used to say, I used to want to change the world. Now I just want to leave the room with a little dignity. Excuse me while I crawl out of here. Um.